0: Hunter. And I'm Kate Vlasic. And this is Generation BSC. Generation BSC
1: is a episodic revisiting of the Babysitter's Club book series in order. Um, but for the summer, we are doing a mini-series discussing each episode in the new Netflix series that dropped on July 3rd. And we are up to... Episode 5, which is Dawn and the Impossible 3, which is obviously also book number 5. Lauren, why don't you give us a little summary of
0: what this episode's about? So this one also sticks pretty close to the book plot. Um, In the last... Episode We met when Marianne met Dawn, the amazing, incredible Dawn from California, as she mm-hmm. is so quick to remind us all multiple times. Um, and in this episode, we get Dawn's perspective. We get to learn a little bit more about her and what brought her um, and her mom to Stony Brook. And more importantly, she is trying to work her way into the Babysitter's Club by dealing with their most difficult clients, the Barretts. Um, very similar to the book, Mrs. Barrett is flighty, although in a very different way, which I'm sure we'll get into. Um, is a single mom with three wild kids and way over relies on Dawn um, for help. Uh, Dawn kills herself to do so, so that she can prove that she is worthy of being in the Babysitter's Club and Christie's. um Friendship, but it turns out a, it was a true moment of vulnerability that led to their bonding, rather than Dawn's immaculate um, quiz knowledge of what temperature uh, constitutes a fever in both <laughs> the mouth and the bottom, as it were. So that's the basic overview. What do you think? How? What did you? What were your big takeaways from this episode?
1: I mean, I feel like the biggest takeaways were all of the different family relationships, in particular, the relationships with fathers. Um, It's sort of a thread throughout the book, I guess, the book and the series. But in this episode in particular, um, you know, we get introduced to the Barretts, like you said. Um, One sort of quirk of the episode is that the Barretts have been – uh, clients of the club for a while whereas in the book they're a new uh a new family and so no one has any idea whereas now you know everyone's like oh boy natalie she's the worst no none of them want to babysit for her and the barrett kids um which i guess another side note the girls call all of the parents that they babysit for by their first names which is so weird i made to me. that note
0: too like it happens so earlier but like me. here
1: i'm just like what <laughs> like no it's mrs barrett it's not natalie
0: I literally wrote down, call adults by first names, question mark, because like you said, it was something I'd sort of noted in passing Mm -hmm. before, but it wasn't until specifically the Natalie, because she's a client, and I literally, I have neighbors that I have known 25 years that I still call Mr. and Mrs., Mm -hmm. and no matter how many times they're like, call me by my first name, can't do it. Just no. can't do it. Yeah,
1: if if I knew you when I was a child, and <laughs> you're still Mister or Mrs. or Miss or Ms., you know, Ms. whatever, like that's not changing. You're you're not. Even though I'm an adult, you're oh. still a
0: bigger adult, right? The kiddos do it to me too. I'm still Miss Lauren. I'm like, mm-hmm. you have graduated high school. Y'all are grown people now. You can just call me Lauren. I'm no longer working with you. Exactly. And still Miss Lauren every time. Miss
1: Lauren. Yeah. But yeah, getting so back cute. to like three sidetracks that things. I <laughs> took myself on. Um, yeah. So I feel like dads are sort of the, the through line in this episode. We we meet Natalie. We, again, at the end of the episode, the way that we did at the end of the book, we meet Mr. Barrett, um, who is less of a dirtbag here than he is in the books. Um, but so we've got that dad Although situation. he looks... Oh, he looks like a dirtbag, but duty. he's not vindictively stealing his child he's as not. opposed to picking him up for a regularly scheduled swim lesson, which is a much more and I that maybe also is sort of a a good update for current times and uh, you know, parental kidnapping is, you know, maybe a little bit less of a quirky thing as it maybe was in 1988.
0: It probably would have been taken far, far more seriously had he taken them to be spiteful. Had taken him to be spiteful exactly. the way he had in the book. Um, I don't see that ending well for him. But yes, I was very pleasantly surprised because when I walked in, when he walked in, I literally wrote in all caps "douche" and about four exclamation points. Yeah, he's he um, not a good luck. But he immediately redeems himself. Like he is not rude. He is not pushy. I mean, granted, there are literal cops and if another adult in his. Living room, so you know, coming in and being like, "What are you all doing here?" would probably not be the smartest play. Um, and uh, he was far less of a bad dad than he was in the book. So mm-hmm. that was, um, I, I did like that.
1: Yeah. Week. But speaking of bad dads, that's sort of the other part of the dad through line is we've got the counterpoints of dawn with her dad who you know facetimes with him basically every day and if not every day they do a lot of catching up on the weekend as opposed to christy and her dad and she hasn't even talked to him in a year and a half she reveals in this episode and i feel like and obviously that's sort of where we get with the christy meltdown and the breakthrough with her and um, dawn but you know to get there we go through a lot of different sort of versions of a father-daughter relationship or a father-child relationship um, between, you know, Mr. Barrett, Don's dad, Christy's dad, even Richard in this episode. Um, you know, we see his relationship with Sharon and then, you know, dealing with, you know, different rules, different families when Don's cell phone rings when they're all mm-hmm. eating dinner together. And it's just, it's really interesting because in the the book of this story there's not really as much of a sort of through line with all of the dad you know relationships and you know comparing contrasting and seeing why christy might be reacting as poorly as she is to everyone else's dad being there and you know she says everyone else's dad wants to spend time with them and my dad can't even you know send me a birthday card or give me a call once a year, let alone, you know, every day or coming to pick me up to go to swim lessons every weekend or, you know, things like that. And I think that's sort of a, an an interesting and I think a you know good idea update from the book because mm-hmm. that's something that I think a lot of kids might be dealing with. And I think it's, you know, it's interesting for kids to see how families – might be like theirs, but might be different than theirs and, you know, how other people that they see in real life, how their families might be different and see how that might be affecting other people or themselves. You know, I, I just, I really love that they took the opportunity to show all those different sides of the you know, all the different options of family
0: relationships. I agree completely, especially because we really got to contrast, um, Dawn's mom and Mrs. Porter, Sharon, and I just gave her every single name. Under this <laughs> time. I said it every way I possibly could. We got to contrast Sharon with Natalie Barrett, who, um in the book they're they're far more used as parallels, mm-hmm. where I feel like in the show they use are it use Natalie more to um As a foil to Sharon to show the ways in that while Sharon may be flighty and a free spirit, like we talked in the last episode, she is far less. uh, uh, How about this? Say I'll say it in a kinder way. Um, Instead of what she's less, I'll focus on what she is more of. And that (laughs) is capable of functioning as a human being. But they really did, um, like I said, sort of change the character of Natalie in some really interesting ways, because the the fundamental story is that she is fully relying on Dawn to take care of her kids and cannot cannot manage her life. And that has not changed, but the the method of the type of character to create that um, situation for Dawn is totally different. Um, in the books, and now I did not go back and, and reread specifically, but my recollection is Um, and I think we sort of talked about it in the episode that we envisioned her as kind of a young trophy wife Mm -hmm. who got left and now sort of is in over her head and doesn't really know what she's doing and like trying to pretend like life is normal. And that's how we sort of got to that compassionate place for her Mm -hmm. in the book. Um, and in the show, she's not that at all. Um, she's kind of the opposite. It's, it's sort of, she doesn't quite come out and say it, but I got the impression that, um, one of the reasons the marriage split up is because they, Mr. Barrett may have been looking for something else that Mm -hmm. she wasn't anymore, or maybe she just felt that way. Um, But she does get, it was such a nice moment um, early on when Dawn is agreeing to take on the Barretts and, and take on Mrs. Barrett that um, she calls Christy out for being reductive Mm -hmm. and, you know, this divorcee crap. And while Dawn is forced to recognize, okay, she, it may be reductive. Maybe but a she's little not more wrong. than that. <laughs> right. But a little more than that. But she is because Dawn is able to come in with that perspective, with that more compassionate um, mm-hmm. attitude, with a little bit more um, open mind. She's able to have that beautiful moment with Mrs. Barrett. See, I can't even call her Natalie. It feels weird. <laughs> if,
1: I 100% agree. Um, Every time I use an adult name on this show, aside from Edie, for whatever reason, Edie and Watson uncomfortable yeah but like different. even
0: calling mr well, Spear, richard oh yep well and especially my favorite part about the Edie part is it's not even her really her name
1: uh, <laughs> it was but, her name in literally um, the first book and we have that has been drilled into our brain and it's just stuck
0: <laughs> never letting go no nope. um but in any case it, it's dawn's who dawn is like that this open empathetic nature um that allowed her to have that moment with Natalie where she, Natalie has that moment of real vulnerability. And mm-hmm. I mean, she turns it off right away, but instead of this, you know, young in over her head socialite, she's a, um, well, they call her middle aged, which I, oof, rude. Right. Um, but, um, she's, I would say forties maybe mid forties. Yeah, if I, that I guess, if that for, young ish, 40 to mid forties at the latest. Um, but feeling like her life has passed her by mm-hmm. and wanting to show her kids that she can make something of herself. And, and while we as an audience or Dawn may find what her aspirations are to be silly, um, they're very, very real to her and mm-hmm. what she, why they're her aspirations come from a really good place and um so i i I like that i'm not sure how i feel about the the change from socialite to actress i i I don't i guess i just don't really know the intention behind it like i i I think that that character type from the book would have worked um in the show just as well um maybe maybe not i i I guess there's some
1: well but then we wouldn't have gotten that that fake out of her recording oh, yes. <laughs> uh, a, an audition where she's crying and saying like, oh, I didn't realize what I had done so that you think that it's Dawn, you know, the conversation with Don where Don stands up for herself and says, look, I can't basically be the parent to your kids when in reality, Don is helping her record her audition for a part where she has to, you know, have this heartfelt moment. But I would, I don't think that right. that's why they made her an actress, but it was certainly a very TV esque bonus bonus of that being the case. Yes. for sure.
0: I did. That was a, that was an equal part, like groan and, and laugh yeah. moment where I was like, okay, 100%. well played show. you I got me there. Um, but yeah, I, I just thought it was an interesting, I, I guess that I don't really have anything. There probably isn't some <laughs> major deep critical analysis behind it. They just changed the character type. Uh, but I, I just thought it was interesting mm-hmm. and I, I, I guess, um, one of the reasons it stuck out so much to me is because Mrs. Barrett is one of the reoccurring characters in the books that has really stuck with me. And it was mm-hmm. a really strong, um, not strong as in she has strength of character, but like a strongly written character that I very clearly remember who that person is and what mm-hmm. her deal is. Where if you asked me uh, what Jackie's mom does, uh, I don't remember. I, I yeah. don't remember she's, either. She's, yeah,
1: I, I do agree with kind. you. you, you kind know, Mrs. Barrett's definitely one of those characters from the book that feels more fully formed, particularly, and I think we sort of have talked about this with the show, with the the adults feeling like real characters and not necessarily caricatures Mm -hmm. and being a little more well-rounded. I feel like in the book series, Mrs. Barrett definitely stands out because she is a character that is more fully rounded and we get a little bit more, you know, multiple sides to her and we see her sort of grow as a parent and grow as an adult because, you know, in – Dawn in the impossible three, the book, she's looking for jobs, but she's looking for, you know, quote unquote, normal jobs, not individual acting jobs. And so then she gets a job and, you know, she's trying to deal with like going to an office and, you know, getting ready for work every day and like scatterbrained in a different way. And so I feel like I would be interested. And I don't know if Mrs. Barrett ever really is going to come back because I don't think she does for the rest of this first season. And I guess that's one thing I kind of miss about the books is or that I wish could have carried over while well, I understand that, that it couldn't. But, like, the reoccurring kids and parents, it feels like in the yes. series it's very much like, you know, like in the last episode it was Bailey's the new kid, that Bailey's the one that they're babysitting here. The Barretts are the ones that they're babysitting. And, you know, it, it's sort of, you know, when they go to see City, it's the Pikes. And so it's like we get each yep. episode has a different family as opposed to, you know, Nikki Pike showing up to play with, um, you know, play with Buddy or, like, and I I was looking for one specific thing, so I did just a quick scan through the book yesterday, and I can't remember what I was even looking for. But I remembered that when Buddy goes missing, it's when Jordan Pike is going for his piano lessons. So he yes. sees Buddy outside, and so Jordan's there talking to the police, and Mrs. Pike is there, and like here, the only we see, you know, Mrs. Mrs. Schaefer show up to help. And we see the police, but we don't see any other kids. We don't see any other parents. And, like, Dawn calls Christy because she thinks that um, Buddy might have gone to play with David Michael. So we get Christy to come help as opposed to, like, the kids in the neighborhood. And it's just sort of, um, like, from a practical perspective, I understand. You can't have, you know, a million cast members that show up for 30 seconds in every episode. But I do miss that sort of fully formed world and like universe of characters that we don't necessarily get as much on the show.
0: 100%. I was thinking about that um that in in some of the ways it gets streamlined so beautifully, mm-hmm. one of the things that inevitably gets lost because like you said for purely practical reasons of, of casting purposes, for timing issues, but what we do get in the books are the other girls' side adventures that may not really add much other than flavor to it, but we get to see them babysitting other mm-hmm. Um, kids and and in the show it's really just about one babysitting job or one reoccurring babysitting job per episode which again Recognize the, the reasoning for it, but it is just something that you miss in a book to film of any kind adaptation. Some of those nuances. For sure. But I, I think that you brought up a really interesting point again uh, that we, we've talked about, about giving the parents their own plot lines and their own being fully formed characters. And I think that we – this is the episode for me that really – the first time I was watching through that really clicked into gear for me where we get to see Edie bonding with Sharon. We get to see Sharon and Richard's interactions. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, speaking of which, did you see Richard's face in the door when they like swooch goodbye and he's like walking away? He's it's the cutest thing. If you oh, haven't yeah. noticed it, go back and just watch that little scene. So cute. Um, Dawn, um, gets to comment on the adult relationships and their interactions with each other. Um, and I think that that plays in really nicely when we're thinking about those the different relationships that the parents have to the girls um, based on their history and background and personality and etc. And we're also getting to see that play out in h- how the adults interact with each other. Like we noted last episode that clearly Edie and Richard have Some kind of history that Mm -hmm. probably has come from Mary or Marianne being bullied by Christy over the years. Right. Um, And I really thought that the scene um, between Edie and Sharon was really, really nice. I thought Liz. Oh, no. I did say Liz the right that time. Good.
1: Um, (laughs) But you did it in
0: the same Who knows? You said Edie and Liz. My brain randomly made that switch. Um, Oh, I did write down Liz. That's why. I'm looking at my notes. Um, But in any case, I thought it was a really nice, nicely done where I, I, that Alicia Silverstone played so perfectly that, that like, really, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to support you. I mean, if that's who you're interested in, right. That's great. I think we've all been there with friends before. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I, where we, him, (laughs) like a a very, (laughs) um, (laughs) egg, um, (laughs) moment. Um, but I thought that she did a really good job of being respectful about it. of being like, okay, you know, back Mm -hmm. off. Like she was clearly ready to go like, Gossip and talk smack about him, but the second she was like, "No," she was like, "Okay, reading the room, redirecting that attention, changing the subject."
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and then she transitions to like the the worst thing she can say about him is that you know he has his shirt tucked in like so tight, and it's like that that's That's true, and that's a very that's very on brand and like feels like it's saying more than just what she's saying, but it's not it's not you know like the gossip, be like, "Oh boy, get a load of Richard Spear," like. Yeah, I love that.
0: And it's not mean. It's mm-hmm. like, it very clearly tells you who he is. It very clearly tells you who Edie is. It very clearly tells you who Edie believes Sharon to be. Mm-hmm. Like, it's such a great little character note that tells you everything you need to know about those characters and, and how they react to that. Yep. Um, and I think that um, it makes sense to me in, in in a way that it didn't initially at first when the, the changes with Sharon's character with, with Dawn and her family. I was like, does this still make sense with Richard? And especially because Richard, as he's being played uh, by Mark Evan Jackson, is so much warmer, and is he's a fussy, fastidious, like fuddy duddy know there's mm-hmm. a lot of Fs—but um, he's, but he's, <laughs> he's not—it's it, he's not cold the way that book right. Richard is. Like we said, I, I think I've said in the past. Um, but I buy that this version of Sharon, flighty and open, but not a disaster. Um, would be attracted to somebody a little bit more buttoned up, a little bit more um, ducks in a row. Like, I feel like that that, that's a match that makes sense. Like, that's a marriage (laughs) that would probably work because if they didn't kill each other. Like, it goes one of two ways. Either they cannot handle it and they murder each other, or, um, as we know from what happens in the books, that that balances each other out. Um, And I I think that that is um, part of what the girls are learning too ab- about the strengths that they bring to each other. And I think that that's a really nice, um, tie in to the scene that you talked about at the end where Christy and Don have that bonding moment where Christy's able to get real vulnerable, vulnerable about her dad. Um, and they're both able to recognize that they may be, um, you even brought up the quote earlier that Sharon says different families, different rules, mm-hmm. you know, different people, different reactions, different families, different experiences and relationships, but if you are respectful of where the other person is coming from, um, it can really lead to to really incredible relationship building as we saw with, as I said, Edie and Sharon and Sharon and Richard and Dawn and, and Christy. I thought that was a really beautiful through line as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely support that. I think that might be a good transition to just sort of talk about Dawn and Christy generally in this episode because obviously like you just said it comes it ends in a very good place but it sort of starts with them well dawn's obviously even in the books she's not the confrontational one she's trying to fit in she's trying to make friends christy feels very possessive of Marianne and of the Babysitter's Club. It doesn't help that Marianne has not mentioned to Christy that she's going to bring Dawn to the Babysitter's Club meeting, so that immediately gets Christy's hackles up. And, you know, the girls are all talking about how they all need to babysit, but, like, they're getting busier, so it would be great if they had another babysitter in the club. And, you know, that's why Marianne brought Dawn, because Dawn knows how to babysit. She wants to join the club. She wants to be friends with everyone. Christy, you know, takes the position of, you know, you're on probation. Maybe we'll see if you can make it in if you can prove yourself and then Natalie calls and that's the sort of impetus like okay here we go if you can handle the Barretts then maybe we'll think about it and that sort of the whole episode is really Dawn trying to prove herself to Christy and then finally being able to do that and be there for her in this friendship moment at the end when they come to see that you know they're they're both and I think Don even says, you know, we both – we're both women with big personalities. And I think that it's a really sweet moment that we get to see the two of them alone, you know, without Marianne. Because I, I think that's something I've always loved in the books. And I'm sure I've said that as we've been reading through them. Mm-hmm. Like, when Don when and Christy get moments alone, when they sort of see each other and get each other, and you can see that friendship building and growing and getting stronger, like, I – I like live for those moments. Like, obviously, there's a ton of things that I live for in these books, but like those, I think are some of the my favorite moments throughout the series that we've read so far, and I'm sure it will continue. Did you have any thoughts about Christie and Dawn? Oh, about a million.
0: But uh, the biggest <laughs> one is, I fully agree with you. I love the, um, I I too love unexpected character pairings, or not unexpected necessarily, but like Less the PBS. people that don't get matched up often. At, Yes, not as often – the ones that don't always have stories together. Yeah. I love to see the magic that happens there um, across different types of media. But, um, yeah, let's – you were you were much nicer to Christy than I was in this episode. Basically, <laughs> she sucked for, like, 95% of it. And as a Christy, it was not fun for me to watch because I definitely was, like, recognizing some of my own instincts and behaviors um, that I have – thankfully, after many years of maturity and therapy, <laughs> have hopefully worked mostly kind of past. Um, but there's still that that need for control, that need to lash out out of fear, that need that um, insecurity that comes of feeling like I'm uh, losing my place either Um, Out of something that I've built or with a relationship, like those, those emotions are very familiar to me. And I think in a weird way, it all made it worse, because I did recognize them and I I wanted her to be better. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I just watched her make the wrong choice every single time, and I was was so grateful that she did have that moment at the end, that to to give her some redemption. Like, obviously, we knew the dad stuff was where that was coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, that is information we knew from the book. She has mentioned it before. That was the big fight with her and Marianne a couple of episodes ago, and um, Claudia and the Phantom phone calls. So I thought that was really a nicely threaded plot line. And Mm -hmm. I thought that the moment of really exploring that, I loved that it was with Dawn and that it wasn't with Marianne. And similar to, um, like what, what Dawn was able to be for Marianne last week, um, because she was outside, because she doesn't know the story. She has no emotional baggage with it. Christy's able to talk about it with her in a way, um, that she probably can't with Marianne and, um, Claudia who knew her dad and knew her with her dad. And, um, we're there for it. And sometimes you just need that outside perspective. Um, and I think sometimes, not sometimes, I think we all need a little bit of someone like Dawn in our life mm-hmm. who, her response to Christy isn't like doesn't like me is, I'm going to kill her with kindness and I'm going to, quote, namaste her into submission. <laughs> yep. I love that. I wrote that down too. Which... I was like, I think that is gonna be my new um motto for how to win friends and influence people. I'm going to namaste people into <laughs> submission. <laughs> it's such a perfect encapsulation of dawn that like badass power to the people, damn the man, save the empire energy um while also being I fully buy her as like into hist- crystals and healing mm-hmm. and like being one with the earth and um some of the more uh, mystical elements. I don't know. I, I'm way too practical. I want so badly to believe in stuff like that. And I just, I can't, I can't do it. It's I, I, like every time I'll go buy a crystal and I want so badly to feel something. And I'm like, no, that, nothing. It's a, it's pretty. Um,
1: sometimes that's all. I mean, but, if, if you don't get anything out of it, at least it's pretty, you know, like crystals, sometimes exactly. crystals can just be pretty. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Like not everything has thank to do you. something, right. you know, like own that for yourself. You don't have to be a woo-woo person. You can just like crystals for what they look like.
0: You're right. <laughs> well, thank you.
1: You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. And anyone you were, else you that totally needs to my hear my in that moment. <laughs> well, and I think that's yes. the thing that I really loved about – I love that about the way that they've sort of updated and tweaked her characterization because – and I know over the past, like, books – a couple books we were talking about before we started talking about the series, you know – Dawn is sort of the heart of the Babysitter's Club. She's the best friend to Mm -hmm. all of the rest of the girls. She's that person who's there for you when you don't even know that you need someone to be there for you, and she knows the exact right thing to do or say to help you. And I feel like the show has done a really great job of sort of recognizing that and finding a way to implement that and use Dawn to the best possible ability. Um, I just – I really – I mean – Dawn's the best. We, like, flat out, we already know that. But, like, her, the version of her in this series is somehow even better than the best version of her in the books. And I just love that whoever was behind the scenes making Dawn into this version of herself definitely had some strong, strong love for that character and for all of the characteristics that they've added to her to sort of flesh out that, you know, California casual that – we always say doesn't really mean anything. Like California Casual, the way that they've fleshed it out here, it, it she's a fully formed character and she's the best version of herself. And
0: I'm here for it. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Um, I like that they instead of that California Casual, like they said, uh, Marianne called her '90s alternative.' Mm-hmm. Which, okay, yes, thank you. I I was going more with streetwear, but <laughs> activewear. Um, but really quickly, that that's a great transition into fashion for this episode. Um, but before we do, I think as you were describing it, I realized what Dawn's incredible function within the group is she's able to be this feely, empathetic therapist almost. Mm-hmm. That is going to be the one that is going to ask the questions. That is going to make people feel safe in order to have some of those vulnerable conversations. Um, and, and everybody needs that. I think Christy especially needs yes. Um, someone who's going to be strong enough to handle it because I think sometimes, um, as much as Christy revels in her role as Marianne's heavy, I guess, for lack of a better word, <laughs> but Marianne's, you know, <laughs> protector, and she's always mm-hmm. been the one I like. I think she sees herself, defines herself in a big way um, around her relationship with Marianne and what Definitely. she brings to that table. And I think that because Dawn brings some of those things that feels very threatening to Christy. Um, And so I like that, like you said, strong personalities, but in a different way, Mm -hmm. because you need someone like Dawn who is going to be willing to sit there and ask those questions and let you be vulnerable and, and, um, and be strong enough to take that. Mm -hmm. Because I think because Christie's feel, feel so strongly about that role in Marianne's life, it probably is hard for her sometimes to feel like uh, laying it on Marianne, especially since Marianne is so feely and so, um, empathetic in a different way where she takes it all on for herself mm-hmm. that I, I can see why Christy would be reluctant to talk too much about her dad. And then there's the layer of her dad just left. Marianne's mom died, right. like didn't want to leave and is no longer there. And so there's levels of complicated around that. So I, I, I think that um, that sort of outsider perspective is, is, hugely important. What I find fascinating though, is we had that with Stacy mm-hmm. and, Stacey hasn't really filled that role at all, um, for the group. So, but I, I think that that's more because she immediately slotted in as, um, Claudia's best friend. Right. Um, it's, it's easier for her to find a space in the club. She doesn't have to, she doesn't have to to sort of make her own.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Love that. Um, Okay, so that was a a long-winded sidebar, but I I think um, now is definitely the time to toss things over to you to talk a little bit more about the fashion from this week. So I feel like I maybe skimped
1: a little bit last week because it was... A Marianne episode so she it felt like there was the same way that there is in a Marianne book there was maybe a little bit more focus on the fashion and I feel like here there's not maybe as much and it might partially be because most of the episode is spent with Dawn at the Barretts and there's not a lot of fashion from the girls there but um I did particularly love at one of the Babysitter's Club meetings Claudia is wearing this maxi skirt that looks like it has a pop art print on it I kept trying to like get a good screenshot of it because I was like I can't tell what that is, but I was like obsessed with it, and I didn't even notice it the first time I watched Ooh. the episode. I I'm gonna have I to do not. a little more research. I'm go back. It's it's really cool. I it might be a little much for even not even me for me to wear. I can like we've talked about. It. I can wear some things that are out there. Like this might be a little much, but as always with Claudia, it works. Um, she also Claudia, of course, at some point is wearing a like hip length leopard print fur coat that. Again, I don't think I can oh, pull it off, yes. but I want it so, so, so badly. Um, one thing I think is sort of interesting, and I'm not sure if she wears it in this episode, but I did note it in the last episode and forgot to mention it when we were talking about it. So Dawn consistently wears a necklace with a big D on the chain. Um, and I think, Lauren, you have a necklace like this. Um, and Alexis, I was on just going to say, streak. I have that necklace. Yeah. So it's like yep. the letter is big and metal and it's attached like the chain attaches two pieces of the letter so the letter is part of the chain itself um, but so it's it's a cool necklace like I, I love when you wear it I love Alexis on Schitt's Creek wearing it I love Don wearing it but it doesn't feel particularly Dawn to me and I don't know if that's just no, me. No, I didn't try so to, either. Okay, so it's not just me. But I mean, it, it almost feels like it might be something like her dad bought it for her, so she wears it. It's like her signature piece, even though it maybe doesn't fit exactly with the rest of her style. But it it makes sense. But it also is like, why is she wearing that? I don't know. It it sort of threw me off. But now I'm like, yep, that's just part of who she is. That's that's her signature piece of jewelry.
0: I, I had the same thought because I was just so surprised that the the one. The very first piece of my own that I recognized was on Dawn. Like that was just not, <laughs> yeah. like we don't have a lot of sartorial overlap. But yes, I, when I, it was very much when I saw it on Alexis, I was like, yes, okay, that makes sense. When I saw it on Dawn, I went, yeah, I, la- oh, oh, really?
1: I also love Dawn's plaid winter coat and gray and red ski cap. It's like super cute. Again, not totally what I would picture for Dawn, but I also kind of feel like it might be a situation where she, her, she and her mom were like, oh, right, we have winter here. Like, let's go find what we can find. Yeah. And, like, just sort of – it's not totally – again, not totally out of character, but, like, not exactly what I would – if I were picking Dawn's winter coat and hat, I don't know if it's exactly what I would pick. But it looks great on her. I love both of them. I want those, too. <laughs> I want, like, everything that any of them wear. I like, know. Let's
0: be honest. I should probably just stop saying that. <laughs> uh, well, that's why we have Fashion Corner, so we can gush over all the cute clothes that's that you want to steal from literal – Teenagers. From actual children. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) I want to steal your clothes, children. That's what I'm here for.
0: Um, I do also want to steal some of Richard's apron collection because that one with the turkey from last week was pretty spectacular. And then this week, Sharon drops the bomb that he's got a collection of them. Um, Yes. I want to know everything about that.
1: I know. I want, like, an Instagram of Richard's aprons throughout the seasons.
0: (laughs) I love it. Love it, love it, love it. Um... Let's do some stray observations, shall we? Because I've got a couple of things that I, like, jotted down that don't really fit nicely with some of our big ideas for the episode. Um,
1: okay, lay it on I,
0: me. This is so dumb, and but I was so pleased to hear Christy get it right that mayo is the correct thing to make a perfect crust on a grilled cheese. Um, if it also makes it before, sense that Don wouldn't know that. Total makes sense. Especially I was impressed that Christy knew what mayonnaise was. It is vegan mayonnaise. But I thought that was a fun little thing because it's something I do. Anyway, that one I pointed out. Oh, did you notice when Mrs. Barrett came home the first time, when Natalie came home and Dawn is sitting with the kids, how creepy those children were. Yes. It was such a children of the cord moment with the fake smiles. I literally got chills. I was like, Ooh, I don't like this at all. <laughs> what what is did she wrong do <laughs> with those kids?
1: One thing that we didn't even touch on in this, um, and I have a couple things related to this storyline. Um, Richard tells Marianne that she can redecorate her room. All of the girls get yes. into it. This comes up. This will be, you know, in a future episode, there's a lot more about this. Um, but so they, they start sort of planning, and I think it's Stacy says, like, dove gray or acid yellow. And it's like, those are not yes. choices for the same thing. <laughs> like, one might be a trim and one might be a wall. Not necessarily together in a bedroom, but, like, acid yellow is a very, like, it's like a pop of color. That's not, like, a wall. And she's holding up paint chips, and I was just like, that is... Th- those aren't like things you would choose between for
0: the same piece of wall, carpet, whatever. My headcanon was she was trying to say something ridiculous to get, um, I can't remember who wasn't paying attention, but somebody wasn't paying attention. So I was oh, like, exactly. oh, I think John might have been asleep that was using, at that point. Oh, asleep. That was when she was asleep at that point. That's right. I was like, please tell me Stacey is using acid yellow as a way to like, whoa, wake her up right. like the way you pay you would attention. Say. So I went to the moon yesterday. Right. Uh, because I refuse to believe that this version of Stacey McGill would ever put acid yellow in Marianne Spears' bedroom.
1: (laughs) And when later in the episode they're in Marianne's bedroom sort of trying to figure out what they're going to do and Sharon starts pulling down the border which sets Richard off because we come to discover that Marianne's mom designed the room and decorated it and so he's holding on. That's sort of the thing that he holds on really firmly to. He was cool with Marianne changing her look but that he's not okay with. But while they're doing that, the girls are standing on Marianne's unmade bed in their shoes, and that is one of my biggest pet peeves in television and movies. Is like people putting their dirty shoes on people's beds, on people's couches, on people's coffee tables. Like, I, I have no words. Like, I hate that because, like, I'm I I wear my shoes in the house. I'm not quite at the level of like take your shoes off as soon as you get in, but like. Your shoes go on the floor and only on the floor. Don't put them on my bed. Don't put them on my couch. Like,
0: I have very strong feelings about this. <laughs> I also – I we didn't really talk about this um, earlier when we were talking about, like, the adult relationships. We we sort of talked about them starting to date, but this was the end of them sort of falling apart um, mm-hmm. of Richard and Sharon. Um, and I I really see both points of view here. But I'm more on Richard's side because, whoa, talk about an overstep. Like, she just started dating this guy. She's met this daughter, like, twice, and she's coming in straight up pulling up things off the wall. I mean, I get that she's, you know, a free spirit, but I I think even a free spirit adult would know, hey, maybe this is something to ask the homeowner about before I start actually making physical changes to the property
1: well and especially because her excuse for why she did it was like i just wanted to see if it would pull the plaster up it's like okay well you ripped off like an entire length along one whole wall like that's not just checking if the plaster is gonna come off like take a chill pill
0: and if you were genuinely convinced that the plaster was gonna come off why would you yank like that exactly (laughs) be very more careful like just lift up a little corner and see what happens so while richard was definitely um overreacting a bit uh, as we said for very understandable reason mm-hmm. he definitely was not wrong to be like what the fuck are you doing lady <laughs> exactly um, I haven't seen you in like 30 years and then you just are busting into my house tearing shit off the wall right no thank you <laughs> welcome back to my um, life please destroy my home <laughs> but I did like that um, Dawn ends the episode by recognizing that adults are just older weirdos doing the best that they can
1: <laughs> exactly So any other final club business before we wrap it up? Okay. Well, then why don't you tell everybody where they can follow us, communicate with us, anything else?
0: Absolutely. We would love to talk to you and hear from you. Um, We've been getting some really fun emails and having some really fun social media conversations. So make sure you get in on that. Um, You can follow us on Insta or Twitter at GenerationBSC. Or you can email us at generationbsc at gmail.com. Um, also, don't forget to rate and review us in iTunes. Um, I know it's podcast cliche at this point, mm-hmm. but it really does help with our visibility and helps us get to connect with more Baby Sears Club lovers. Okay. So with that, I'm Kate Vlasic. And I'm Lauren Hunter. And this emergency meeting
1: episode of Generation BSC is now adjourned.
0: Say hello to your friends. Baby